We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. the nervousness yeah. in the crowd here. They're not used to seeing this. They haven't trailed at the half at home since 2020. A lot of adversity, but man, our team is showing they can win a lot of different ways. Here goes Shipley. Today to come back, you know, we had to change quarterbacks. Kate came in and got it done. Rose in a traffic. R.J. Mickens seals the victory for Clemson. It's a four-quarter game, and we finish tonight. Welcome to College Football Live, where Clemson fans can certainly breathe a sigh of relief after that scare from Syracuse. But what about the questions remain? Dabo Sweeney benched DJU in favor of a true freshman, prompting people to ask what's next. Here's the head coach after the game on Saturday. DJ's our starter. DJ's our leader. So, hey, nothing changed there. Uh, Y'all can go ahead and type that up. Uh, he, he's, he's our leader. He's our starter. You know, and uh, he just had one of them days, you know. For me, if I was in a putting spot, I would have done the same thing. Uh, you got to get a spark. When your quarterback's not playing good and not playing up to par, how he thinks, especially how, how I've been playing, I feel like I should have played, then you got to be able to make a change like that. And at the end of the day, for me, man, stats isn't everything. My main number one stat is to win or lose. College football writer David Hale joins us now. David, sometimes you have to read between the lines. Sometimes you don't, and things are exactly as they seem. But what's next at Clemson? Yeah, I think what Dabo and the folks around Clemson would like you to believe is that what's next is exactly what we've seen already, that nothing changes here. Um, obviously, as the numbers show, this isn't DJ Uyunglele of 2021. He's playing much better football so far this year. But... The last throw that he had before he got benched, that looked a lot like 2021. And to me, I feel like that was sort of the turning point. Last year when DJ struggled, there was no plan B at Clemson. This year they have Cade Klopnik, who this is a hotshot recruit, has a very bright future there. He came in, we didn't see a ton of him. He threw six balls, including their two-point tries, only completed three of them. But it was the spark that Clemson needed. I think the big question about what comes next is, how long is the leash? for DJ because Dabo has been emphatic since the end of last season. He's the starter, he's the leader, and for good reason. But what Saturday showed is there is a point in which a change can be made. I talked to Brandon Streeter, the uh, OC, after the game, and I said, what happens if this scenario presents itself again? Will you make a change again? He said, DJ doesn't have to be perfect, but everybody has to play well if they want to play. So to me, the question is, where we know perfect isn't required, but where is the point in which they make a change if that happens again down the road? I think what we saw Saturday, the big takeaway is there is a plan B if one is needed. Huge differential, David, to have another option. That's a big difference. Thank you. I'm joined now by Sam Acho and Greg McElroy. And Sam, I, I think you can't underscore that point enough. So I'll ask it like this. 
Would you make a quarterback change if you were Dabo Sweeney? No, I wouldn't. I, I love the way that Clemson is handling this situation, specifically Dabo. There's a reason Clemson has won 38 straight home games. It's number one, really good talent, but number two, really good coaching. Look at what DJ said as a player. He said, hey, I would have made that same change. And then look at what Cade said. It didn't show what Cade Klubnick said, the three-time state champion, right, who has every war, one of the best high school recruits in, in college. He said, hey, this is DJ's team. I'm following DJ's lead. And so, no, I would not make a change. I would keep DJU at quarterback. And then if there does happen to be a point where you need to put a different quarterback in to win a game, then sure. But you do that for that game to win. Don't put a bunch of extra pressure on a quarterback that doesn't need it. Take a look now at the teams with the best chance to reach the college football playoff, according to the All-State Playoff Predictor. At the top, of course, number one, Georgia, but number two, Ohio State with the best chances. Number three, Tennessee, and the, has the best odds, fifth best odds, behind Alabama, despite the undefeated record and win against them. These things sometimes, Greg, make you scratch your head, and that's why I ask this. I understand that Clemson won closer than a lot of people would have liked, certainly the Tigers who trailed at halftime. Does this win, if you will, change the way they're viewed by the playoff committee? Well, they shouldn't. Uh, well, I don't understand, like, when it all became about style <laughs> points. Like, right. last I checked, the goal is to ultimately win the football game, and Clemson, albeit imperfect, yeah, they won the football game and did so, I might say, against a team that was previously undefeated, and also they did so with a minus-three turnover margin. And, by the way, it might as well have been minus-four turnover margin because Syracuse's turnover was late in the game. So, I... I guess I'm just trying to figure out, Sam, like, are, does close now, you know, I thought it only counted in horseshoes and hand grenades. Now it counts in college football, too. Like, do we need style points if you're undefeated and win your conference? Like, yeah, you also got to do more now. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, no, we're not doing anything. And I love your point, Greg. You make a phenomenal point that people talk about, man, Clemson won, but it was close. And should they now be lower in the college football playoff ranking? No, I got a chance to meet last year with the selection committee. I actually was a part of a mock selection group. So we brought some people together and we actually sat through the entire process of how they select players for the teams for the college football playoff. And one of the biggest criteria is winning your conference, a conference champion. And so, yes, Clemson didn't win in the fashion that people expected against Syracuse, but they won. But they won. And then now you have a chance to go and win your conference. And so uh, the selection committee, even though you talk about the four best teams, they're going to pick a, an undefeated conference champion, i.e., let's say that's Clemson, over a one-loss team in the SEC or in the Big Ten that does not win their conference. You know what's funny, guys, is that we'll say sometimes, ah, they won, but it was close. And at the same time, we'll say, but you know what? This is a team that knows how to win close games. Yeah. <laughs> they can close things out. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You really can't have it both ways. And at the end of the day, Clemson puts a W in the win column. The same thing cannot be said, however, for Mississippi State. Mike Leach's team uh, has a long losing record to Alabama, 15 straight back to 2008. And that was a trend. We saw continue penalties proved pivotal as the Tide cruised past the Bulldogs. Final tally 30 to 6. And here's Mike Leach's thoughts after the game. And, um, and I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if, if, if me and the other coaches don't get them right, um, <clears throat> that about a generation from now, um, their kids and their grandkids won't have hands. 
and maybe it'll be like this, like those dinosaur ends like this are, you see. And, and you know, you got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex who's clearly good at eating things, big old jaws and all that stuff, fairly athletic and run. Well, his hands are like this in the end that it's going to be best for all these guys uh, that they have good hand development and that they don't evolve to where they don't have hands. Okay, but we definitely... Um, didn't use ours, and so there certainly wasn't any genetic reinforcement on our part um, that we should maintain our hands. I mean, and I don't want all of a sudden, you know, guys driving across this country, and then they get to Starkville, Mississippi, and all of a sudden there's these athletic-looking, friendly guys, because we have great guys that don't have any hands. And I hope that that's not the case. But that's where we're headed right now. And we're going to try to get that fixed in this off week. Only Mike Leach, Greg. And you know what's funny about that is not what he said or that we got to see this. It's that he took, he managed to eat up about, what, three, four, five minutes of that press conference with this, with this whatever that was, diatribe, I guess you'd say. Greg, for me, it was the scouting report on the T-Rex. He said, you know, fairly athletic, small hands. Like, what's the next? Like, Velociraptor? What's the scouting report on a Velociraptor? That's what I want to know what's next. Uh, It's just unbelievable. When you're comparing your receivers to the de-evolution of the human species, (laughs) like, it's it's, it's unbelievable. Hey, but guys just flock from all over the country to play for this guy, and they don't blame him. They catch a lot of passes. It's just... It's mind-blowing, man. You didn't even, mind-blowing. You didn't even hear the part about the spaceship, but you know what? You, you got to do that on your own time. We don't, we don't have enough time. Lane Kiffin saw it. You know, he's always, he's always weighing in. Here's what he had to say. The old Miss coach said via Twitter. Uh, he said, thank you for the concern about our future generations of kids in our great state. See you in a few weeks. You know what? I like how they're all getting along. Very thoughtful. Unfortunately, Kivett squad on the wrong side of this week's BMW Ultimate Performance as Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers head to Ole Miss without it or held Ole Miss without a touchdown in the final three quarters. It handed them their first loss of the season. So with that, we'll show you the SEC teams, SEC teams ranked in the top 25, presented by Goodyear. The SEC has six teams within the top 25 with LSU moving to 18 after being unranked last week. Ole Miss still ranks three spots above them despite the loss to them with Georgia staying in this top spot in the nation. Listen, I I think you got to tip your hat, Greg. What do you make of the resurgence, at least so far, from LSU? Well, it's it's been remarkable, and we've had them four times. So I I feel fairly (laughs) familiar with who LSU is, that includes the opener, and it includes what they did a couple weeks ago against Florida. So we see them at the beginning, we've seen them at the end. It's a totally different team right now. The improvements that they've made along the offensive line, the improvements that they've made defensively, how they've been able to get better in the second half of several football games. The one thing that hasn't been addressed is that this team is, they are awful when it comes to starting football games. Like every single week, they have to come back from some significant deficit. And eventually they do, and they've been great in the second halves. But goodness gracious, if they can just learn how to put 60 minutes together, they become incredibly dangerous with the personnel they have at wide receiver, the personnel that they have that's growing up along the offensive and defensive lines, and the quarterback, Jaden Daniels, who's getting more and more comfortable, Sam, by the week. He's looking like a complete difference maker these last two outings. 
He is. Over the last two games, he's put up 11 total touchdowns. That's rushing and passing. And one position, right, at quarterback. Now, mind you, the week before in the loss against Tennessee, he only scored one touchdown. They lost that game 40-13. to Yet, back-to-back weeks, they're scoring 45 points. And, oh, by the way, they were down early last week against Ole Miss. They were down, and then in the second quarter, by two scores. Then they outscored Ole Miss 42-3. to They went on a 42-3 to run. What that tells me is that Jay Daniels has more control of this offense. That means he's more confident, more willing to call his own number. We saw that play at the goal line on the zone read where he made the DB miss and ran into the end zone. For me, that gets me excited about this LSU offense. Now, I understand in two weeks you got Alabama. That will be the real test. But at least now, you know you have a coach in Brian Kelly who knows how to win and you have the talent that's playing up to their potential. Uh, You teed me up perfectly, Sam. They're second in the West, and as you mentioned, they do have Alabama in two weeks. Too soon to put the tide on upset alert in this situation? Uh, I I would say it's too soon. I don't think the tide should be on upset alert, and I don't think that LSU right now is ready to beat Alabama, partly because of the way Alabama lost a few weeks ago. We saw what they did to Mississippi State. I don't think they want to lose like they lost to Tennessee. And so then you go to comparing the teams they're playing. Tennessee's offense, to me, is more potent at quarterback, at receiver, than what you have at LSU. And so I think with that small difference in the skill positions, LSU versus Tennessee, I don't know if Alabama will be able to be upset like they were before. One thing I would say, though, and uh, look, I think Alabama will address some of their issues here in the bye week, and I would anticipate a better Bama after the bye week. But if you look at the parallels between what Tennessee has and what what LSU has, the parallels are there. Excellent receiving core, quarterback that is dual threat in nature that can hurt you with his legs but is getting better and better and better throwing the football. They have a solid group along the defensive line that can create some pressures and create negative plays. So uh, I think the parallel, and by the way, super hostile environments, Tennessee and LSU both are going to put forth a very difficult place for Bama to play. So the parallels are very real when looking at that matchup between Bama and LSU here in a couple weeks. You know what's funny, guys, and I I was among those who questioned the culture fit with Brian Kelly at LSU. It is amazing what happens when you simply win ball games. And the culture question is on standby for right now, and that's certainly uh, the way things are headed for LSU. Still to come on College Football Live, we often say win and you're in. But what happens when you win them all? Bill Connolly force ranks the undefeated teams. We will do the same. You can see what you think when we come back. And speaking of undefeateds, our Saturday night football game presented by Capital One. Number four, Michigan hosting their little brother, Michigan State, at the big house. Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge have the call 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific on ABC and the ESPN app. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Somebody's streak is coming to an end today. And LSU running away with it. He is in. I mean, if, if you're Ole Miss, you're stunned. And this ball game is over. An upset in Baton Rouge. Top 10 against top 10. Ready to chuck it down the field. Dropped it in for Franklin. He's hitting these Bruins right in the mouth. Oregon 15-point win. Bill Connolly has an article out right now on ESPN Plus where he takes a deeper dive into the undefeated remaining teams. In fact, he ranks them. Who doesn't love a good ranking? As you can see, and the great thing about rankings, Bill Connolly, as we say hello, is sort of like a dissertation, right? You write it, you put it out there, then you got to come on and defend yourself. Uh, so that's what we'll ask you to do now. Take us through the thought process. Again, every one of these teams has yet to lose a football game. Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, we're looking at basically three tiers of teams. Uh, the first two are Clemson and TCU. I have TCU six, mainly because while their offense is just about the most explosive in the country, defense is, I don't know if you'd call it the worst unit of the bunch because they're all pretty good. It's the least good unit of, of any of these teams we're talking about today. Fifth, I have Clemson for kind of the opposite reason. I don't think they're really elite at anything, but they're pretty good at everything. And they're really good, obviously, at game management and winning close games, as, as discussed earlier. Um, the middle tier to me is Michigan and Tennessee. Michigan and I have third because they've looked tremendous on both sides of the ball. Very, very well-rounded. Tennessee might have the best offense in the country. Defense is one-dimensional. Very good against the run and pretty shaky against the pass. We'll see if they fade like they did last year. And then to me, I mean, the top two are pretty clear at the moment. No, I have Georgia second. I have Ohio State first. Georgia, it's, it's really hard to poke holes in anything they do right now, but they really don't go deep very well. They don't stretch the field offensively. They get by because they're so good at everything else but to me Ohio State is we don't know what beats them right now they've been pretty good at, at basically everything we'll find out if Michigan's recipe from last year works but right now they look like the best team to me all right Bill thank you and again I find it funny we point to Clemson and say hey they can win close games and then we'll say you know what but they had to win a close game anyway uh, Greg McElroy we'll right. let you do the same exercise uh, give me your top or, or rank, if you will, the undefeated remaining teams. Well, I think Bill does a phenomenal job with his SP rankings. I think it's as, as good as we have in our sport as far as prognostication and being able to analyze on a deeper, more analytical level. Uh, I personally have a different criteria for how I rank my teams. Uh, I base it more on what you've done to this point. And the big one that people will mostly disagree with as far as my rankings are concerned, I have Ohio State at four. And the reason why I have it at four, you heard Bill a second ago say, well, wh what is it, you know, what, what beats them? Well, I, I don't know that just yet, but I know that last year they got beat badly by a team that could, control, that could control the line of scrimmage. And I haven't seen them address that just yet because no one that they've played has been able to potentially expose them in that regard. They haven't played a soul. 
Yes, Notre Dame, they got a good win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not very good. Their next best win against a team that's above 500 is Toledo. So if you look at their schedule and their strength of record, it's not really all that impressive. So Ohio State, to me, is an incomplete grade, but they could get a big boost this week with a win on the road against a team that I also really like in Penn State. Michigan has the most impressive win to me as far as being able to dominate Penn State. Number two, Georgia. I had them three last week. I had them up to two now because of how good Oregon looked. Remember, they dominated Oregon in week number one. Then I have Tennessee, who I would have three. That went against Alabama. Alabama is my number seven team. I love Alabama. I think they're the best one-loss team in the country. But still, Tennessee took care of business. It just wasn't super pretty or fulfilling to me, especially on the defensive side of the football. TCU's got a much better resume then Clemson, and then Clemson I would have at number six, who I'm just not that impressed with, but ultimately they're undefeated, and you have to give them credit for being undefeated. All right, TCU, by the way, the 10th most difficult schedule remaining according to our analytics team. Did I tell you everybody loves a ranking? See, we could go on quite some time. Everybody home's like, no, no. Yeah, everybody loves a ranking. That's why, that's why we do it. All right, here's a question for you. What happens when your dog goes missing? I can tell you one guy who knows Mark Schleyball. Tubby put a stop to the Georgia-Kentucky game. Remember, he made headlines that would last a lifetime. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. Time now to check in on the Capital One fan vote. Which one lost team has the best chance at making the college football playoff? No big surprise. Alabama still leading the way with nearly 78% of the voting. Don't forget to get your vote in on twitter.com slash ESPN college football. It's an anniversary of sorts today, 25 years since this happened. It was a dreary, rainy day. Tim Couch was Kentucky's quarterback. There wasn't a lot of action. I remember looking down on my computer and then hearing the crowd go crazy. I looked down at the 50-yard line at Sanford Stadium and my chocolate lab, Tubby, was standing in the middle of the field. I lived about four or five blocks from the stadium. He had followed the Redcoat marching band into the stadium. The officials, the players, the coaches couldn't catch him. After about five minutes, he took off down the left sideline and Larry Munson, Georgia's legendary radio play-by-play announcer, was saying on the radio, the dog's at the 40, he's at the 30, he's at the 20. He stepped out of bounds at the 10 and the crowd booed. I was charged with three tickets from uh, animal control to show up in court with an attorney. A few weeks later, the judge asked me, were there any witnesses? I told her there were 86,117. 
Mark Schleyball, how irresponsible. I mean, who has a dog at work? I mean, what are you thinking? Uh, now, tell me this. Did you really have to go to court and defend that? I did, and a buddy, a buddy of mine uh, represented the dog, and I tried to convince the attorney to uh, plead temporary insanity because Georgia was undefeated at the time, but he wouldn't go for it. Well, the best question, <laughs> the best question of all uh, is the witnesses. All right, you got a preview for the weekend, dog or no dog, a pretty good game down that way. Yeah, I mean, just nit not to nitpick Georgia's defense after everything they lost last year. They've given up 9.1 points per game, but they got to figure out a way to get some pressure on the quarterback with uh, Anthony Richardson and, and Hendon Hooker coming in next with undefeated Tennessee. All right, Mark. Uh, 25 years, it goes fast, my friend. We'll see everybody tomorrow. <laughs>